Somebody wrote this. Where did we come from? Where are we going? And what does it mean to be good? What proof can you offer me other than a man-made book? Another one wrote, how do you determine your life's purpose? If, you're de if you deviate from that path, does it cause depression? Another one, this is a little longer, goes, goes a little deeper. Why did God create humans for the sole purpose of testing their love for him? We are less than 1% of his creation. There's so much beauty in this world and universe. And yet all he cares about is humans and making sure they don't partake of some of the beauties of this world he made for us and that we believe in him above all evidence and sciences that appear in this world he's created. That was his plan? Make humans, then make them prove their love and blind faith for him so that they may be rewarded later? So he's, he's a narcissist, basically, a psychotic one. Why should I worship someone like that? Seriously, what is the point of life? And then the last one I want to read for you is very brief and to the point, but I, th I think really sums all of these up. Somebody asked, why me? Why here? Why now? Why you? Why here? Why now? God, what were you thinking? You know, most of the time, I have a hard time understanding what my wife is thinking. So it's a little presumptuous to think that I can explain to you what God is thinking. But the good thing is I don't have to be a mind reader. See, with my wife, sometimes I have to be a mind reader. Right, guys? We've got to figure this out. Um, but with God, we don't. There are certain things that he has revealed to us. And that's what we want to focus on this morning. But before we do that, I'd love to pray with you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I, uh, I thank you that you are a God who invites us to question you, to ask the questions that are burning on our hearts and minds and, and to seek truth. And I thank you that all truth is your truth and that we don't have to be afraid of, of what we find, but that you would re will reveal to us what we need to know. So I pray this morning, Father, that, uh, that we would hear from you about what you had in mind for us and with us. Pray that it wouldn't be my thoughts and my wisdom, but that you would, uh, that you would just use me today to speak to us and that we would hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. So what was God thinking? Why did he create us? And I think before we go there, a lot of us have, have another question that precedes that one, and that is, did God create us? Is there a creator God? Because if, if there isn't, then the other question's mute, isn't it? So I just want to take, take a few minutes to, to talk about that. Is there a creator? And I want to use a, an illustration um, to, to explain what I'm thinking. Let's, let's imagine you're, you're on a hike. You're in the, in, the, in the wilderness, in the middle of, a, of dense forests, and you're just fighting your way through that. And all of a sudden, you come upon this beautiful picture. Just a painting in the middle of nowhere, beautifully framed by whoever painted it, because it, it has value, and, it, and it's sitting there. What two thoughts would you have immediately? Who did this, and what is it doing here? Right? Immediately, because you see a picture that was obviously thought through, and, and it's, it's complex, and it's intricate, and it has all these different colors, and it, 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 it paints a picture of, of something. And you think, somebody has thought about this, and has then carefully 
and with a love for detail, painted this picture. I mean, that would be an obvious conclusion, wouldn't it? And then they must have put it here for, for some weird reason. However, somehow, a lot of us, in looking at the universe, looking at what we call creation, looking at reality out there, the logical, apparently logical conclusion we come to is, oh, that just happened. There is no supreme being. This just kind of happened by chance, and it evolved, and, and, and now there, here it is. But if we take a look at, at our earth, at the universe, at, at the exact distance the earth has from the sun, a little closer, we'd burn a little further away, we'd freeze, and the angle that it's tilted and it's rotating around, if it didn't have that tilt in it, we, there would no, be no life sustainable on earth. There's such precision in, in, in the whole universe revolving around each other. Then recently, my wife and I, my family, and we, we rented the movie Earth from Redbox. Praise God for Redbox. But, so we, we, we had this movie, Earth, that's another topic. So we watched this movie, Earth. And if you, anybody seen this? Earth? Oh, okay, guys, you have got to go to Redbox and get the movie Earth and watch this. It is, it's Disney, I believe, who put this on. And all they did is they, they observed for months and months, and I believe even years, different species. And it goes from Antarctica all around the globe back to the North Pole and, and everything in between. It just describes the circle of life with animals and breathtaking. I mean, the shots, the sceneries, all the different, you know, from, from, from year-round ice to the jungle to desert and the beauty all of it has and the variety on our earth is breathtaking. I was in awe watching that. And then you go and look at, at our body. And I will admit, I'm not the prototype here, okay? So don't take me. As, but look at the way our body is created. Our brain, think about that. Okay, right now you're thinking about your brain. You get that? <laughs> so our brain, with all that science has accomplished and what medicine has found, they can't figure out the brain really. We can't recreate that. It's a mystery how that works. Or sometimes doesn't. Right, Eric? So, and then, and then the eye. Think about the eye. You got these two balls in your head that somehow take in what's out there, filter it, Shoot it to the brain and we see things. Our ear, and then our whole organism, the blood. I mean, it's just, it's just incredible how our body is made and works together. And yet, we come to the conclusion that's, that just happened. How much more complex, intricate and complicated and beautiful is, is our human body and the way it's made how much more beautiful is that than, than the most beautiful picture you could ever come across? And yet we come to the conclusion it just happened. There's nobody out there. At least a lot of us do. And, and this is just me. But to me it seems to believe that, that there is nothing out there that thought this through and, and created all this, to believe that takes infinitely more faith to me than to believe there is a supreme being who thought about this carefully with a love for the detail, created all this, to me that takes a lot less faith <laughs> to believe in a creator God. And so for, for the rest of this message, in looking at our purpose, I'm just going to go with the presumption 
that there is a higher being, a sovereign being who, who thought this through, this through and put this into action. And if that is true, if that is true, then there must, M-U-S-T, there must be a purpose. Because nobody creates anything without thinking about the purpose and the meaning. The most, the most little things that people come up with and they want to sell you on late night TV, you know, all the things you call in for. and Anyway, all those little things that help you, they're all created with a purpose. And if there is a God who created you and me and everything we see out here, there has got to be a purpose. And that's what we're going to go on a search for this morning. What has God revealed about that purpose that he has for us? And what does the Bible say about that? So the first place we're going to go is creation. Now, two weeks ago when I spoke on, on uh, how can there be a good God, we briefly talked about this. The fact that God says he created us in his image. An image always is a reflection of the original. If I look in the mirror... I'm the original. What I see in the mirror is my reflection. It looks just like me, but it's not me. It's just a reflection. And so us being made in God's image means that we are made to reflect God. That we are reflecting his qualities to the people around us. And by the way, we always portray or talk about God in the male form, don't we? It's always he. <laughs> and I just want you ladies to know, you're also made in God's image. God has no gender. God is God. He's a spirit. Actually, a few years ago, this was kind of funny. I saw a, a car in Germany. It was obviously a feminist. I saw about all the stickers. And she had one sticker that said, when God made man, she didn't know what she was thinking. Now, that's not right either. <laughs> okay, that's a little mean. Um, God, you, male or female, are made in God's image and made to reflect who he is. So it's really important that we figure out what is, what is that really specifically? What is our purpose? And sometimes it's quick, or we are quick, and it's easy to make assumptions. Don't worry. Don't worry. So we can look at things, and, and, and by looking at them and, and making some assumption and knowing what we do know, um, say, okay, what was this made for? What would you say? What was this made for? It's, it's, it's a bat, right? And with bats, we hit... Bots, preferably bots. That's the, that's the thing. You, you're supposed to hit a ball with this, all right? There's all kinds of things you can hit with this, but that's not what it was made for, okay? We all agree on that? So let's say that's what I know about this thing. This is a, a, a bat made to hit balls. So my friend Eric here calls me up and says, Christian, what about playing tennis Monday night? I say, great. Yeah, I got what it takes. I got a thing hit to hit balls. So I show up at the tennis court with this baseball bat. And I'm, I'm coming because this is made to hit balls, so I'm going to start playing tennis with Eric. I'd probably still beat him, but um, <laughs> how, how do you think that experience would be of playing tennis with this baseball bat? It, you know, it would probably be really, really frustrating for Eric because I'd still beat him, <laughs> but, but also for me because it isn't, it isn't, let me tell you, it's not to play tennis with. It's made to hit a baseball out of the park, okay? So playing tennis with this will result and quite a bit of frustration, because that's not what it was made for. And it's the same with us. How much more important are you and me than a baseball bat? But how often do we make assumptions about our purpose, what's right for us, what, what God had in mind for us, and how we're supposed to live our lives? If we don't come to the bottom of that, it's going to be extremely 
frustrating. Extremely frustrating. So we, we need to be careful with assumptions. At the same time, I think we can learn quite a bit about God and his purpose for us by looking at us because we are made in his image. And we are reflecting some of his qualities. A Christian author called N.T. Wright in a book um, talks about four signposts of humanity. What he means with that is there's four qualities that he's identified that are true for humanity through all ages and cultures that, that reflect God. The first one of that is that all people through all ages have had a thirst for spirituality, for something transcendent. Okay? That's one. The second one, uh, quality that unites all human beings is a cry for justice, a need and a sense of righteousness, of what's right and wrong. The third one, that, uh, the third quality that unites us all is a, the awe of beauty. Right? I look at my wife and I go, wow. Right? We look at the mountains out there. And, and we all know, we live here and we might get used to it. But you go somewhere else and you come back, you look at that and you go, wow. I watched that movie Earth and I was just in awe of the beauty. And that's universal. All humans are in awe of beauty. And then the fourth one is, all human beings have a deep longing for relationships. And really what that is, it's a deep longing to receive love but also to, to give love. So four signposts, four things that, that clearly um, are universal, that are true for every human being. And if we are made in God's image and reflect his, his nature, then I wonder if God is spiritual, is transcendent, righteous, good, and love. And if that might have something to do with his purpose for us and what he wants for us and with us. So what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say about him and creator and us in relation to him? I want to take you to the first Bible verse this morning, and it's in Revelation 4.11. I believe we'll have it up on the screen. It talks about our appropriate response to God as the creator. It says this, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things. And by your will, they were created and have their being. It says, you are worthy to receive glory, honor, and power in a response to him creating everything there is. And then it says, by your will, they were created. And I find that true. I think that is true for everything that's, that's been invented and created, even by humans. It's, there's somebody who wills it into existence. This is, I have an idea and I want to make this, and I, I, I will create this. And you know what it is for. If you have an idea for something and you want to put it into action, you know what it is for, don't you? It's your idea, and you, in a sense, have a right to decide what it is for. I have a good friend in, in South Carolina went to college with. His name is Sam. He's very industrious. And one time he had this idea of uh, a little invention. I believe the patent is still pending, I hope. Um, his idea was to create a, uh, a small smell suction device for toilet bowls. Okay? So the, the little fan in the ceiling wasn't enough for him. He wanted to create a little air suction device that goes right into the seat and, and just you know, eliminates all smells. I believe he's still working on it. I don't know if there really is a niche for it. But hey, it was his idea. He gets to decide what to do with it. Right? Yet... With God, 
we, we want to tell him. We want to, whoa, whoa, whoa. no, 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 God. What, what do you mean I, I'm supposed to worship you and honor you? Whoa, whoa. That's a little selfish. And, and with God, all of a sudden, we, we believe we can decide what he had in mind and what we, what we were made for, what our purpose is. If God is the creator, if he has created all things and holds all things in his hand, got to tell you, then he gets to decide. Then he gets to decide what that purpose is. Let's look at another verse in Colossians 1, and we'll find out more about his purpose for us there. Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 17. Paul writes this. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, talking about Jesus. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things, check this out, were created by him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. We're created by him and for him. Now, the guy that wrote one of the questions said, well, then he's just a narcissist. You know, I knew it. It's just all for him. You know what? Yes. We were created for him. Now, let's, let's try and, and understand this again in, in our realm of experience. Many of you I know are into art. You go to art galleries where a certain artist displays his artwork, the variety of his, his work. And you go there, yes, and you go and enjoy you enjoy that. But really what it is about is about recognizing the artist. And, you know, we will have no problem going there and then meeting the artist and say, you know what, this is amazing what you can do. I'm just in awe of your gift and, and how you put that into action. It's just amazing. Right? That's what we would do. Even more so in the, in the athletic world. All right? We go, we go to the youths game. I would preferably go to the South Carolina Gamecocks. But, you know, I, you go to a stadium and you go there and you're in awe of the talent that you see. And in a sense, sadly, there's more worship going on on Saturdays in stadiums than in churches on Sundays because we praise these athletes and we lift them up to a certain status. We honor them for what they are able to do and we give them a lot of power. They can ruin our Saturday afternoon, can't they, just by throwing an interception. Right? So we have no problem with doing that on this level. Yet again, when it comes to the God, the creator of the universe, all of a sudden we don't want to afford him the right to be honored and worshipped and glorified. I think there's something wrong with that. So the appropriate response to him is worship and adoration, and honor. Do you know why? It's because he's created us for that. Because he knows doing that is good for us. So he's transcendent. He's clearly transcendent, and he's created in us the, the desire for something transcendent, for something spiritual. Then remember, one of the four signposts was a need for relationship, a need for love, to be loved and to give love. And I want to tell you, this book, from the first page to the last page, constantly, constantly tries to communicate to us, God loves 
you. He actually it identifies him as love. It says he is love. He's defined by love. And John 3.16 says he loved us so much that he sacrificed his son. It's a sacrificial, unconditional love that God has for you and for me. Okay, I'm going to try again to bring that to our human level. When my wife and I decided to have children, it wasn't just for the fun of it. All right? It wasn't, it wasn't because we thought all oh, these children are going to be so great for us. It's going to be so enjoyable. Now they are. But you know what? At first, when they, when they come out, they're screaming a lot. They keep us up at night. They make the wife grumpy. They, uh, they, they, they get messy. They smell. They throw up on you. And trust me, our kids were raised on goat milk, throwing up goat milk. Uh, no fun. No fun at all. It's not, it's not that, that they give us so much at their point. It's because why do we have children? And I think God has created us with this urge to, to, to multiply. We have children because we have this immense capacity to love that we need to unleash. And, I, I, and with the children, you know, we have one, two, three, and the love just keeps multiplying. And you know, I'm sure some of you could have added to this list of, of things that are not really convenient about having children. But you know what? I could make a much, 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 much longer list of the blessings that they have become and the love that you receive in return. Could it be, could it just be that God has an infinitely larger capacity to love than I do? I hope so. And that out of this immense capacity to love, he created us to be recipients of that love? That he just wants to shower you and me with his love? And then how could we not love him back in return? How could we not? And part of his purpose in, in loving us and us exposing ourselves to his love is that we then, as his image, reflect that love to others around us. That others get to experience his love through us. But love can only ever be experienced in the context of a relationship. And if you have not experienced this love that God obviously has for you, maybe it is because you haven't put yourself in a position to receive that love. And you know, we can reject love so many times that we don't even recognize it anymore when it hits us in the face. We can become immune to it. So what was God thinking? What was God thinking when he created the earth and when he created you? I know one thing he was thinking. And that was, I love you. And I love you. And I love you and you and you. And then a little more. I know God was thinking that. So part of his reason, his thinking of creating us is his immense love that he wants to shower on us. The, another of the signposts of humanity was, was righteousness, the desire for, for justice, the knowledge of what's right and what's wrong. How does that, that reflect God? What does that have to do with, with our purpose? You know, another word that the Bible uses for, for righteousness is holy, is being holy. And I want to take, take you to 2 Timothy. 
He writes, Paul writes to, to Timothy, Timothy, so do not be ashamed to testify about your Lord or ashamed of me, his prisoner, but join me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. And now here it comes, who has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. So he says here, part of our purpose, part of our calling is to be holy. Let me ask you, anybody feel holy in here? And another definition of holy is being perfect. Okay, again, anybody feel holy in here? That's a high order, isn't it? He, he purposed for us to be holy. You know, that would be so overwhelming if the next sentence wasn't in there. What does it say? Right after he says, we're called to be holy. He says, I lost it. Okay, he called us to a holy life in verse 9. Not because of anything we have done. See, being perfect and holy in God's eyes has nothing to do with what you do and don't do. What does it have to do with? And it's right in the next sentence. says, it's by his grace, because of his own purpose and grace. This is where his grace comes in. It's not in what you do and don't do. This is where actually where Jesus comes in. His purpose was fulfilled in Jesus. Ephesians 3 gives us further insight into this. Um, if you want to open that with me. Ephesians 3 verse 10 says this. His intent was that now through the church, and the church is not K2, the church. The church is all of us that have decided to follow Jesus. So his intent was now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Right? So he has, he has a purpose for us, very clearly. And you know what? It's an eternal purpose. And this is, I think, why we miss his purpose so many times. Because we don't think eternal. We think here and now. And what happens if we think here and now? You know what happens when I think here and now? I think me, 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 me. I don't think God, God, God anymore. And when I think me, 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 life, surround, life circles all around me. And I miss that purpose. But if I see an eternal purpose that God has for me, an eternal purpose of being in a love relationship with Him, all of a sudden my focus turns from me, me, me to Him. And my life starts turning around Him. You see, and He says this purpose was accomplished in Jesus. Let me tell you, the one reason for Jesus to show up was this. So that we could live in a loving relationship with God, which is what you and I were made for. All of God's purposes are accumulated in Jesus because he accomplished for us what we couldn't accomplish. And that is to be reconciled to God and be in a loving relationship with him where we receive his love and as a, then as a reflection of him can, can allow others to experience that love. And Jesus' death was the ultimate example of that love. John 3.16, God so loved you that he gave his only son 
that if you believe in him, you will not perish, but have that eternal life, that eternal purpose of a relationship with the almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth. But you see, it's not enough to know that. I've often used uh, this as an example. Anybody tell me what this is? Okay, this is going to be Sunday school. We're going to be a little interactive. Shout it out. What is this? It's a light bulb. Ten points to this gentleman over here. All right, it's a light bulb. Now, what's a light bulb supposed to do? Light up. Thank you. All right, it's supposed to light up. Okay, now I haven't asked you guys about this, but could we just cut the lights off in here real quick, the ones that are actually shining? Just shut them on. Okay, thank you. All right, shine, please. Uh, the gentleman over here just said, light bulb, that uh, you're supposed to shine. Would you please uh, shine a little? It's a little dark. Come on. Come on. Light. Light. Come on. Hello. Okay, can we have lights again? This isn't working. Um, okay, it's supposed to shine. It's not shining. Uh, somehow, this, this isn't fulfilling its purpose. And so, sometimes we go through life like that, and we don't know. What's my purpose? We have a sense that there is something more, but we, we haven't found it, and so we do all kinds of things and try and, and find that purpose and make purpose and create purpose, and we, we yell at others and put pressure in, and we do all kinds of things, and eventually, oh, thank you. <laughs> eventually, if we keep trying, it's going to become destructive. It's going to become painful, and a lot of us look in places and do things to find purpose that will end up like that. You see... A light bulb has this little screwy thing. I've, I've asked several very smart Americans who couldn't tell me what this is called. In German, we call this a Gewinde. Okay? It's supposed to be wound into something. And so if we look at this, we, we know there's something something's supposed to be here. or This is supposed to go somewhere. See, this light bulb can only fulfill its purpose of actually shining like these do if it is screwed in properly. And I've actually used to have a little prop where I had a little battery here and little connections, and it would actually light up, but it's not lighting up right now. But if this is screwed in to a socket, is that it? Where it belongs, if it is put in the right relationship with the source of power that gives it its purpose, it will shine. And it's the same for you and me. We can be on a search for purpose, and we can even know that it is a relationship with God and refuse to go there. And will be like a light bulb that's made to do something, that's made to shine, but you're not going to shine. It's going to be very frustrating. Only if we step into that relationship, if we accept what Jesus did for us so that we can fulfill our purpose of a relationship with Jesus, only if we plug into the power of the Holy Spirit that God wants to give you and me, can we live in the purpose that God has for us which means like this bulb shining, we can reflect God to the people and the world around us. Our purpose is not for us. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about God and reflecting Him to the world around us. But how do we live? Most of the time, how do we live? We live me-centered. We live as if the universe turns around us. us. We live for our own glory, for our own reputation. And I guarantee you, it, that will not fulfill. And you know what it does most of the time if we li live like this? It alienates us from God and it alienates us from others. 
if we're willing to really make it all about him, make it all about our relationship with him, bringing him every part of our life, surrendering our life to him, worshiping him, honoring him, not only will that bring glory and joy to God, it will bring joy and goodness into our life because that's what you and I were created for. But this will only happen if life isn't about you, if it isn't about me, but if it is about our creator because that's his way. That's how he has wired us. So I believe what God wants to tell you today is that he wants you to enjoy a meaningful, purposeful life in joy and freedom and peace. You know why? Because that's who he is. And that's what he wants to give you. We're here to receive his love and we're here to give his love. But we can't give what we haven't received. We can only give love if we have allowed ourselves to receive love from him. And if we have received his source of power, his Holy Spirit, to live the life that he has for you. So in closing, I want to read one more verse that I think really sums this up and and really puts it into practice for us right here today. And it's from Acts. Acts chapter 17. Um, Paul is in Athens talking to philosophers and religious people in Greece. And they had all these altars to to different gods. And... uh, And there was one to an unknown God. So just to be safe, they had one altar to a God that they might not have heard of. And so he says, you know what, guys? I know that God. You don't, but let me tell you about him. And so he tells them this about God. In chapter 17, verses 26 through 28, he said, From one man he made every nation of man so that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he, now check this out, and he determined the times set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men and women would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. So God has a great plan, a great scheme of things for all humanity. And he has a very specific plan and purpose for your life. And I'm telling you, if I read this, I know that you are here this morning in Salt Lake City, Utah. You're sitting in a very uncomfortable chair in the red box at K2 The Church this morning. You know why? You know why? Because God put you here. He determined before the foundation of the earth was laid that you would be here this morning. Why? So that you would be in the best possible position to seek Him, to reach out to Him, to find him, even though he's not far away. He's here to be found by you. And he's taken every step he could to come your way. Because he wants you to find him. So that you can live the life that he created for you to have. And he says, you, you know, you aren't righteous. You aren't good. You aren't love. But I am and I want to give it to you. And I'm here to be found by you. Have you sought him? Have you tried to find? Have you found him? Have you received this love that he has for you? 
If you do, I tell you, it will be a joy to center your life around him and not about you anymore. Because you will know that you're insufficient and that he is. So to come back to this last question that I read early on, why me? Why here? Why now? Why you? Why here? Why now? I can answer that for me. (laughs) I know. I know that I exist for him, first and foremost. That I exist to receive love from him and to give out his love as generously as I can. I know that he's created me to be holy. And I know that I can't be that without him. But if I'm put into the right relationship with him and his Holy Spirit flows through me, then I am all he wants me to be. And I know that I was created to be in a love relationship with him where I receive so much love from him to pass it out to others. And I, so the band comes up. I just want to ask you, if you're here this morning and you... You hear what I'm talking about and you're like, I have no idea what that is, what that feels like. I have no idea what you're talking about, receiving God's love. Maybe this is the morning where he wants to be found by you. Maybe it is because you haven't put yourself into a position to receive from him and that will take faith. That's why he comes so far and then that last step has to be yours. Say, I want that purpose. I want to live a life of meaning that I was created for. And maybe today is the day when you feel God speaking to your heart and tugging on your soul to come and accept his gift of love in his son, accept forgiveness and join his family. And if that's the case for you this morning, I just want to encourage you to to not just walk back out of here. I would love for you to come and and, and talk to me or one of us and allow us to pray together and, and talk about this. Don't let this slip by. God has a specific purpose for you being here this morning. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, for me to um, try to answer the question of what you were thinking is presumptuous. Because your word says your thoughts are way higher than our thoughts. There's many things I don't know about you. Many things I don't understand. But it's because I don't have to. I thank you that you have revealed what you have revealed. That you've told us what we need to know. That you've told us clearly what you created us for. That you have this immense, unending love that you want to shower us with. And Lord, I just want to tell you the only appropriate response for me is to love you back with everything that I have. And I want to do that. Lord, I pray that, that, you, that you would tug on these hearts this morning. Lord, I pray that there's people in here this morning who would, who would find their purpose in life this morning through you. So I thank you, Lord. I thank you for the, the beauty that you have created for us to enjoy. Thank you for how you've loved us through creation and the, the, just the, the immense beauty of it. Thank you, Lord, that the sun coming up every morning is an I love you from you. Thank you, Father. We want to worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.